everybody. Welcome to episode 57 of the Snake in the Draft podcast. In this episode, I have Dalton Cates coming on the podcast. You should be following him on Twitter at DaltonGuruFF. He is a writer for Apex Fantasy. And today we're going to be talking about a discussion Dalton and I had on Twitter over rookie pick strategies. So welcome, Dalton. How are you? Doing good, man. Uh, appreciate you having me on, man. Great day. Ready to talk some fantasy with you. Yeah, yeah, it was a. It, I'll have to post the link to the like sort of thread we did because uh, you talked about. Well, actually, we'll get into it before we get too much talking about the thread. There is a question I do ask every guest, and that's what is one hobby that you really enjoy doing that does not relate to fantasy football? Ooh, that's such a good question. For me, like it's just a broad thing. I would just say like sports in general. So whether okay. that's involving like playing tennis or football, basketball, golf. Um, running like anything like physical like that to me is like what I like to spend like my free time doing um, naturally just like that's what I grew up in with sports and um, just like I'm a pretty competitive person so anything that involves like you know doing that or physical activity like I'm, I'm all about so definitely a big fan of that nice you have like a sport that you're current like favorite right now or anything like that wow you're asking the tough questions I wasn't prepared for this one um <laughs> <laughs> I I would say, oh, man, my favorite. I don't know, man. I would or probably say basketball. basketball, basketball, football. Yeah, okay, probably the one of those two. Nice. Yeah, I've uh, I'm I played football in high school on the O line, so I was never the the skill player type. But basketball was never my strong suit at all, and uh, it it took me back. You saying tennis because I've done a little bit of tennis here and there, but. Uh, I act like it's baseball more than tennis, which is not yeah. a good way to act. It's fun, though, to hit those things like a baseball, though. It is. It is. Yeah. And then you, you hit it way over the fence, and then everybody stares at you like you're a little bit crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's a, bit. it's a fun sport to pick up. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So uh, going into sort of the, the general discussion that we have from the thread and stuff like that, or actually just start with the general Twitter, you, you're a big analytics guy. So how do you use analytics, which I know like analytics versus film has become like a loaded like term or like a uh, us versus them like sort of term, which it shouldn't be. But how do you, you like to use analytics? Um, I just kind of use it just to make more well-informed decisions. Like I think that's really what it is at the end of the day. It's like utilizing historical data and things that we have seen in the past and utilizing things that we've seen work, uh, simple characteristics in terms of successful um, things at the wide receiver position or successful things we've seen from running backs and what like technically like a quote-unquote like elite running back looks like what are the, what are the characteristics they share what are the characteristics that elite wide receiver share and like kind of finding like a base data set for like all right this is what they more have in common than what other wide receivers have so let's look at the characteristics for these incoming wide receivers and what characteristics and att attributes do they share that a lot of these elite players share and that's the thing that that's kind of what you're doing, just kind of finding what are more uh, data points that we can add to help improve our probabilities of finding these next superstar players. And I think that's really what it is at the end of the day, for me, at least personally. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And, uh, you had a couple articles on Apex, one that you you shared, Apex Fantasy Football, uh, I think that's the site name. Yeah, Apex Fantasy yep. Leagues. And you, you shared one of them. It was the part two one. And I liked how, you know, you go through and you use, it's a pro football reference. And then you say, okay, certain amount of yards per target, certain amount of just general targets. And then maybe like you added in on one, like the weight of a player, which I know that again is another loaded thing. But yeah. at the same time, like if player, it's just more the odds. Wouldn't you say that with like, you do all this and then you're like, okay, this guy fits this. 
I feel a lot more comfortable about him than someone that doesn't. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is at the end of the day. I mean, like, uh, analytics gets a lot of hate, but I think of the just maybe it's just a misunderstanding of what it is and what we're trying to do for it. Like, it's not to say, like, this player is not good because he doesn't fit in this thing. It's just like this certain player has more attributes that make him more high probability and fit a certain mold of what we're looking for in a player. Yeah, that, that's a great way to put it. And that's how I've come to understand it. And honestly, like with the pro football reference, I'm planning on using that a lot more with, like you sort of said, finding those players that fit the mold a little bit better mm-hmm. than others. Pro so, football reference is the best, man. Yeah, it's I'm going to I'm gonna be really digging in on there over the next couple of months. But with the, the post that you, you said, you were saying that the biggest advantage to be gained in Dynasty is to is by drafting the next stars in your rookie draft. Max Money upside is key, and the prices of guys like Jefferson, Herbert, and Gibson, among others, have three times their value since then, drafting rookies greater than trading for them now. So can you expand on this as well as talk about how you like to set your teams up for rookie drafts? Yeah, um, I mean, there, there's a lot to it. I would just say, like, from, like, a basic, like, economic standpoint of how you um, – viewing fantasy football right how is the best way that we can maximize profit on players in dynasty and the simple answer is drafting them in your rookie drafts and why is that well constant adp shows us that these stars like the the stars of today right the michael thomas's the odell beckham when he was a star the julio jones the Devonte. i mean maybe not Devonte, but like a lot of these other guys and even like the top running backs too they were cheapest in their rookie drafts. So if you want to maximize upside, you have to draft them when they're the cheapest. Now it becomes really hard because now you have to identify which guys are going to be the next stars. And that's a whole different question, a whole different thing. But in terms of simply maximizing upside and maximizing profit on your dynasty teams, that is the best way to 3X in terms of, let's say you drafted Justin Jefferson this year. You just 3X his value based on where you drafted him versus what his actual value is now. And it becomes really interesting because even for guys like Justin Jefferson, we know they're still strong buys now. You can still keep them on your team or you can trade him away right now and still get three first-round picks, two two first-round picks, another player, and then continue to draft these next guys and continue to maximize your overall value for your team, which then by having more value on your team, it's likelier that you're going to be able to have more better players, which will then allow you to be better and more competitive in your league. So how I like to do this for rookie drafts is um, I try and keep a base um, rule in my head is I try and keep at least two first round picks in every single rookie draft. I mean, it doesn't matter if I'm a competitive team, doesn't matter if I just won a championship every single year, I'm trying to reload on these young guys. That way I'm constantly reloading. I'm constantly returning my teams and constantly getting these young and up and coming guys and taking these shots to where I can get, the T Higgins here, or maybe it's this upcoming year I'm getting um, a Rashad Bateman or a Jamar Chase or the next big thing to be able to really help relinquish that young up and coming stars on my team. Because at the end of the day, when we're sitting here in the off season, it's not the guys like Derrick Henry who are 26, 27 years old that a lot of people are trying to sell that they want to acquire the hot assets that every single person wants are the Jonathan Taylors they're the Justin Jeffersons they're the Chase Claypools they're these J.K. Dobbins these up-and-coming guys that everyone wants like those are the hot assets in your dynasty league that everyone's trying to get and by you having these guys it gives you a lot of leverage and trades to be able to get whatever you want or be able to 
you know, put your team in a position to be able to maximize the trade value if you do trade them or just in general, hold them as part of a massive core for your team in the future. Like there's a lot of different things you can do about it. And I think it really helps your team um, in, in a lot of different ways in that, in that regard. Yeah. And, and the reason this whole conversation started was you did the post and I was like, well, what about like hit rates? You know, it's like probably about 60, 50 percent hit rate. But then you made a great point with like I usually I'm thinking about rookie drafts and that. OK, you have your one pick. But with how you set up your teams, you have two picks or so. And even if you do have one, you do have that chance of either like a three X in value or like I guess technically a zero X in value. But you were saying, OK, well, the goal is going to be to at least hit on one of those guys. The goal is to hit on both. So uh, a good point that you had was related to like, even if you drafted someone like Nikhil Harry early in the the first round of 2019 drafts, you still could have had, or like you were, your example is AJ Brown, because you really liked him as a prospect going into the league. And so then you still technically had a positive addition to your team, even though Nikhil Harry was the first pick overall and a lot of people liked him, but it didn't work out. So there was a miss, but you had an overall like plus like one example I thought of in relation to potential trades. Some people may think of in moving like the 1.01 in Superflex leash, which is going to be Trevor Lawrence is doing like a Trevor Lawrence for Russell Wilson to protect oneself from risk. Even though like, I, I don't think it's too crazy to say, and people may think it is, but if we're thinking three X value of Trevor Lawrence, that's Patrick Mahomes right there. And we didn't expect Patrick Mahomes to become Patrick Mahomes. So what's to say Trevor Lawrence can't become that. And you, so you're like sort of getting a player that could be you're, you're maybe going one X and going for Russell Wilson, or you keep that rookie who is most likely going to increase value. And then you'll go to like that three X potential. So does that accurately depict how you feel about rookies? Yeah, for the most part, I I'm always trying to maximize upside. And I think the best way to do that is through drafts again. So I'm willing to take that risk and um, I try and do as much research as I can so I can make educated decisions on this. For example, I think it's a great, great way to look at it. Trevor Lawrence versus Russell Wilson. Look, we know Russell Wilson is a stud and he's going to be a stud for the next four or five, six years. But the thing with Trevor Lawrence is he's also a prospect in which we haven't seen of his caliber in quite some time for a quarterback age is such a massive factor in terms of value and dynasty so if we can get him and we can hit and say and make an educated guess that trevor lawrence is at minimum probably going to be like a tier worse than russell wilson but at the same time his ceiling could also be patrick mahomes why would we not take the chance and the risk that he can be that guy especially if we like a lot of the things that are coming into it in terms of situation and um draft capital which it looks like he'll be the first overall pick i would definitely like to take that risk I, I definitely like how you uh, mentioned like, you know, draft capital. And that's one thing I think a lot of people are getting way too worked up about certain prospects and how people are ranking them whenever so much changes, whenever just draft capital is added into it. Because, I mean, the best example I can think of is how Akeem Butler, a lot of people were touting him as this awesome dude, more film guys, but, and then he ended up being a six round pick, I think, or something like that. And so then like, now he's that pick, you don't need to pick him high at all because the hit rates for those, if we're just doing very, very simplistic analytics is very low like very very low but getting off of fantasy football for a little bit dalton what is your favorite movie that you have seen wow this is uh this is a nostalgic one for me and um i don't think it's the greatest movie i've ever seen but it's my favorite and um i don't know if you remember bench warmers back in the day with yep. uh, rob schneider um that to me is just always gonna be a favorite um it, for me it really introduced like comedy as well as like sports to me like as a young kid so it was one of those movies that i remember just watching every single week and i would just die laughing 
every single time. So for me, like that is always my favorite movie. It's a nostalgic movie for me. So Benchwarmers, there's just so many uh, great, great parts and moments in that movie that I love. I'll have to, I'll have to rewatch that movie because I don't think I've seen it in a, quite a bit of time. So definitely going to be one that I'll have to, to check out. But going back to some famous football, like another great point you made is knowing when to get out on players. So maybe just a couple of quick points on what is like the best way you've found to know when to get out on certain players. Yeah, I'll, I'll preface this by saying like I'm not exactly the greatest at knowing when to get out on players, but there's really good strategy and there's a lot of data that shows that essentially just like renting rookies for a year and then getting rid of them after a year is a very profitable way in terms of increasing your overall value of your dynasty team. So for example, let's say you drafted and killed Harry in 2019 and he still hasn't hit, you're technically losing out on that value of him doing it, but you can still sell him heading into year two and essentially get a new shot at a player. Now you're not going to get top five pick value that you drafted him for, but you can still get something in the early second in which you could have gotten someone like a Brandon Ayuk or Antonio Gibson or um, a T Higgins, LaVisca Chanel. You could have re-upped and trying to sell a guy who still has value because he hasn't fully quote unquote, like busted or um, performed up to his expectation yet. So whether it's a guy like um, a Jalen Rager this year, like it, we're not saying that Jalen Rager is going to be bad and I don't think he's going to be bad, but his value is also very similar to where you can, you can trade him for a reusable asset. If you feel like he's not going to be good or maybe like a Jerry Judy as well. It's like these guys, even though they haven't done well, analytically we want to take a lot from their rookie seasons and say like all right well if you've done really good in your rookie season these are the guys we want to bet on and it's not that we're saying we're not betting on judy or rager just like i would rather hedge my bets and utilize assets to go get the justin jeffersons the t higgins the cd lambs the chase capels the brandon iukes of the wide receiver class and then if it allows me to go ahead and quote unquote like get out on a rager or a judy to package up for one of those guys or if i have a good opportunity to re-up in this rookie class like i'm not necessarily going to say no to that even though i do think that rager and judy do have you know, potentially bright futures yeah I, I i like those those players that you mentioned the idea of like i think it's also getting out of the mindset of like opportunity cost because a lot of people get stuck in the whole i spent an early first on this guy and now his value is down to an early second if not mid second like i don't want to get out of him now he can go right back up right instead of realizing like the like just the odds of it are are always pretty low after the first year if it doesn't happen um and like yeah, i said yeah go ahead yeah yeah 100 i mean like the odds i mean like there's guys that hit after bad first years i mean a guy like alan robinson didn't necessarily have an efficient uh rookie year but he had a lot of other attributes that warranted you know having some faith in him i think jalen rager has a lot of those attributes i think jerry judy has a lot of those attributes the thing is, um, when it comes to quote unquote, like getting out, like it's just more about protecting your opportunity cost. Because let's say, because you're at, you're at a critical point right now. If Jalen Rager or Jerry Judy pops in your second year, great, you're getting good ROI on there. But you're also at the point where if they don't do anything in their second year, that's really when their value starts to tank. Like look at Nikhil Harry for a perfect example. Nikhil Harry okay. still had value heading into this year. But now this guy's going in the teens of dynasty startups now. 
So you really, really critical point where it's like, it could either go one of two ways for those guys. And I think like, if you are able to, and you feel comfortable with the risk of potentially holding onto them and it happening, cool, fine, go do that. But these are potential players where you could almost re-up on, even if you still believe on them, just to essentially save your investment in terms of starting new on a brand new guy. Yeah, and I mean, you could even potentially see that these early second-round picks values increases more than, say, a Jalen Rager, and you could get Jalen Rager plus. Potentially, I'm not saying that's why you should do moves, but yeah, I like the call of, you know, moving out on, or like getting out on a player and then getting a pick back, which is something that, like, something as very objective as, like, hit rates doesn't include, and I think it can show, like, expectations, per se, but at the same time, you make a great point with like, it should probably be more related to ADP changes, which is something I do want to look at versus just the changes of like how well they did season after season, especially when like this year we saw like the, well, most people would say the RB1 and 2 of Saquon and CMC go down and not even be top 12 running backs. So yeah, I like that a lot. So going again away from fantasy, what's your favorite TV show that you've seen all the way through? Oh, my favorite TV show of all time has to be Prison Break. That from okay. the first first uh, episode, that thing hooked me, and I've watched it multiple times through. And I don't care what anyone says, that to me is the goat <laughs> of TV shows. Like that, that to me is just like nothing's gonna beat that. Every TV show I watch, it's like, is it on Prison Break's level or is it not on Prison Break's level? And for me, I have not seen anything that from from the standpoint of creativity in terms of like how deep it goes and um, just the whole entire show for me was just, it was phenomenal. I loved Prison Break. All right. I'll have to add that to potential TV shows to watch. Cause for me, I always, I started to compare my TV shows to like the typical ones that most people talk about, you know, like game of Thrones. And then I even mm-hmm. throw like the boys in that type of tier as well. I've really enjoyed that show for the two seasons on Amazon prime. Uh, I'm trying to think of others. Like I, I definitely, I do like top tier, middle tier, and then like never watch again tier. Like that's how I sort of look at my shows. Yeah. I'm not a big like TV show fanatic. Like I don't watch like too many, but I've seen like, I've seen like the game of Thrones and breaking bad. Like a lot, I've seen a lot of like good ones, but for me, it's just, I think prison breaks just on another level in my opinion. All right. So so next we're going to talk about some 2021 rookie class. We're not going to go too in depth because uh, there's still a lot up in the air related to these rookies, but on Twitter you did post, and this is off of a Ryan McDowell's post that the 2020 rookie class is, is going to, you should keep loading up on 2020 first and seconds. It's going to be a fun one. So what are your thoughts on this class and what makes it so special? Um, It's just a really deep class. There's a lot of early declares. There's a lot of, there's a few like top end prospects um, one thing I also like it about it as well is I think there's really good tight ends. It's not yeah. not only Kyle Pitts. Everyone always knows about Kyle Pitts. It's good to see a great quarterback class. It's great to see, in my opinion, objectively from top to bottom, a better wide receiver class than we saw in 2020. And in terms of just in terms of just prospects, um, I think the one thing that this class is lacking is running back depth you have a couple good guys at the top, but I think the running back depth is lacking a little bit. But overall, there's so many good wide receiver prospects or at least like interesting ones that I think like will do something in the pros as well as tight ends and quarterbacks that make it really interesting for like the top two rounds. Like I see enough guys that you're, you're, you have a top 24 pick and either even super flex 
or even not even super flex, like one quarterback, I think you're still looking at very valuable picks and guys you can get there. Yeah, and I feel like, honestly, the more I think about 1QB and Superflex, is you still have, like, the, from what I've heard, it's like 3.01, 3.02 in a 12-team league is where the depth's at, and then even if you get, like, a quarterback at the 3.01 that's, like, like uh, probably, like, maybe a Zach Wilson type or Trey Lance mm-hmm. type there, that's still solid for 1QB even, because then you're getting a better position, and then he could potentially increase in value just related to the rushing floor that, like, Trey Lance could have, potentially. Yeah, ask, ask the Justin Herbert uh owners how they like the third round picks in one qb leagues this year even him in the second round in Superflex, i traded away my 2021 first in a couple of leagues to get justin herbert in the second there we go there we go yeah, That's how we it, do that. It, it worked out great so i i just with the 2022 class coming up from also what i've heard and i'm not the debbie guy or anything like that but it's not as deep of a class what pick would you comfortably trade a 2022 first for do you have that sort of idea right now? It's obviously hard because we don't know everything yet, but where do you project that 2022 first to be in 2021 picks? Well, really intriguing guys at the top in terms of like a super flex league. I like Sam Howell, I like Spencer Rattler, um, I like Brees Hall and Isaiah Spiller a bit. And there's a couple of good wide receivers. So I'd say like there's like six to seven guys that like I feel like pretty comfortable about. But after that, like... I don't feel too good. So I'd say anything after like eight to 12 range in 2022, I'm comfortable for even like 112 in this class. Like I feel, I feel pretty good about that. And I'd even, uh, I'd even go as far to say, like if I feel very confident that it's going to be a late first rounder, like I'm okay getting like a 201 or 202 in this class. I, I think that the depth in this class, there's a lot of good guys that would comparatively look well in terms of 2022 um, if we were to put them in that class. Yeah, I, I like that. And I think even if someone starts to fall, which you could see with uh, people maybe being in leagues that aren't quite as competitive and stuff like that, like honestly, those late mid to late seconds get even more valuable if that's the case. Uh, but yeah, I like that. So late first, early second, potentially, I would say you'd probably agree that don't feel a force like you have to do it, but also like be very open to the option. Usually what I'm trying to do in drafts is if I have like a late first in the 2021 class, like I would normally be looking to like, trade that for a 2022 first plus like an additional asset but i don't feel as good about the 2022 class as i did about as i do about this so maybe i'm trying to parlay that into like a 2023 first and something because i think that 2023 first has some very strong prospects that um for people that are looking ahead and people that are in leagues that are trading that are able to trade that far ahead like i think that's probably the smart move is to start looking ahead towards that class because they're slowly starting to get hyped there but i think that it has a chance to potentially be close to like a 2020 type class in terms of like elite running backs a couple of quarterbacks there's a couple of tight ends there so i think overall it has a potential to be a very good one so instead of 2022 i'd probably be looking to get into 2023 if possible just uh something i'm looking at right now in terms of dynasty yeah, I, I like that. Um, also, with the, do you feel like the running backs are going to just get overdrafted because running backs always get overdrafted? <laughs> uh, are you talking about like, uh, in fantasy? No, like, like in this this uh, 2021 class. Uh, for like the rookie draft, do you think they're going to get overdrafted versus the wide receivers? That's that's just what I think. I don't know. People try to push running backs up all the time. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll be wrong. But no, that's just no I, 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 I think it's a really good conversation. Like I think – 
Like, so I have a question for you. How did you feel about the running backs being pushed up in the 2020 class versus the wide receivers? Did you feel like it was, um, did you feel like it was worthy of that? Or do you feel like it was a little too preemptive to kind of suggest that the running back should be going ahead of the wide receivers? I think there was like the three running backs of like Clyde Edwards-Alaire. This was for me, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins. And then it was probably C.D. Lamb. And then it was Cam Akers was probably how I looked at okay. it. Okay. So okay, not quite so, as much. Okay, as but like you're still definitely more RB heavy, mainly because of the specific running back talents that were coming out. Yeah. Gotcha. And I think that's I think that's how we should look at it. I think we need to objectively look at it is how does this running back compare to other running backs in other classes and how would we objectively put them in comparison to this? So one thing I like to do is um, I was going over this yesterday and I was like, all right, if I'm looking at Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, how would I have ranked them within the 2020 class versus the wide receivers? Well, I can tell you right now, Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, and Javante Williams pre-draft would have 100% been in a lower tier than a guy like Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, the K-Makers for me. So knowing that, and also knowing that Jamar Chase, Rashad Bateman, and potentially like Rondale Moore, those guys would have wide receiver prospects been just as good as like the C.D. Lambs. If not, I think Bateman and Chase, in my opinion, if they were in last year's class, I would have ranked them higher than um, any other wide receiver in the class as my 101 and 102, even though I think that these running backs are still interesting. I just feel more confident about them as wide receiver prospects than I do about these running back prospects because there are some red flags to a couple of these guys that I think um, that I think are have yet to be exposed or talked about enough. And I think people are a little bit too too hasty to put these running backs at the top just because of how valuable running backs are in Dynasty. But the truth of the matter was we should have been investing a lot in the running back class in 2020 because that was where the true elite running back prospects were, where we could always pivot towards wide receivers in this class. Yep. And that's something that I'm going to be working on because uh, I did a couple of drafts that I've, I've actually talked about it on my Patreon podcast, but anyways, with the productive struggle idea. And I was listening to a podcast with Ryan McDowell and he mentioned like, if you have to start two running back, you should probably at least have one like pretty solid running back. And that's where I messed up and that I should have got one of those, you know, running backs like a Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift that were falling in startups and just general drafts just related to situation whenever they would most likely, you know, rise up compared to their situation or at least people's predictions on their situation. So live and learn, right? Live and learn. 100% man. I mean, that's what dynasty is, right? It's like you make mistakes so that you can learn and become better. Like my first year in dynasty, I made so many dumb mistakes. I remember my first year. I traded into the draft a pick and that pick ended up turning into whoever the one I want would have been like Josh Jacobs or whatever. So I essentially traded Will Fuller for Josh Jacobs and I was like, well, I'm never doing that again, you know? So <laughs> that's how you get better. That's how you learn though. So, I mean, I mean, it's all, it's all learning process. That's, that's a good point. So with just going back to like the 2020 versus 2021 class with like Najee Harris and all of them. So where would you, how would you order those running backs real quick? Just, I know it's a little, preemptive just related to some of the measurables aren't done and, and senior bowls and stuff like that aren't finished but how would you like order them just real quick uh and so do you want me to compare the 2021 running back class to the 2020 class yeah just because i'm trying to think like the more i sort of hear about the 2021 class related to 2020 it makes me think that 
someone like a uh, Clyde Edwards Alaire plus maybe the the way to go with those rookie picks versus you know drafting a potential running back for sure so um I'm gonna do this as prospects I think it's the best and most objective way to look at it so tier one um so if we're doing all three of these classes together tier one would be uh, Jonathan Taylor by himself I just think he was elite I was the one I was one of the people on Twitter calling him generational I know it got a lot of flack on it but I genuinely believed it <laughs> and he's starting to show like why he's been in peace so uh, I'll stand by that I'll continue to stand by it um tier two would have been uh JK Dobbins DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers for me, those were all quote-unquote elite running back prospects. They checked all the boxes, what you're looking for in there in terms of great athletes, good receiving production, um, great age-adjusted production as well. Like, they literally checked every single box. So for me, like, they're normally, like, would count as, like, the 101 in drafts, but I think Jonathan Taylor's just on another level. Tier three would be... Um, I think this is where the good conversation is. I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire and Javante Williams would be a fun, interesting debate. I think Javante Williams would probably be ahead of Clyde Edwards Hilaire, mainly because of his size. And they both kind of broke out late, but they were but Javante Williams is more efficient and he does have receiving upside as well. So I think Javante Williams would be ahead of Clyde Edwards Hilaire, and then it would be Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And then this is where I really haven't gotten to it too much, but I think that probably Najee Harris would be next. And then Travis Etienne, but don't quote me on that. I could flip those two. But I think Javante Williams, Clyburn Solaire, um, Najee Harris, and Travis Etienne would have all been in a similar tier, if not Javante Williams and Clyde Edwards Solaire above in a different tier than Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. So I do th- agree with the sentiment of if you do have one of these top picks and you're able to get Clyde Edwards Solaire plus, like, 100% go for that, 100% go for that, because he did technically have a good rookie season historically, but based mm-hmm. off expectations, people are a little bit down on him, but all in all, he was a good prospect on a great team. He's going to be 22 years old next year. I do think, I do have um, a lot of hope for him, so I do think that um, those running backs last year were just pretty, pretty, pretty bomb, to be honest. Yeah, that's something I want to be thinking about more, and I think also with, like, Clyde Rizalera, one thing that is making his like stock go down is he didn't play week 13 and then week 16 and week 17. So he, he didn't play three of the last five weeks. And obviously if he goes out and he scores 20 fantasy points or just like play as a really good game this coming up week or over the next two, three weeks, that's going to change everything. Like it's going to make, make me really, really sad actually if that happens because yeah, right? then his stock's going to skyrocket and then, we're going to be looking at all these running backs being like, dang, they're just like top end guys right now. Like what in the world? But Hey, I mean, maybe that's a good reason to go ahead and send some offers out for Clyde Edwards right now before that happens, you know, like that is a great point. (laughs) That's a good point. Yeah. The only bummer is in one league that I I want him it's an orphan team. So I'm like, all right, fill the orphan. Come on, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Right. Right? Yeah. Uh, my last question for you today is like, what is one player that you're trying to roster in every dynasty league that you're in right now? Wow. I mean, I want to say AJ Brown, but I own him everywhere. So, <laughs> um, He's uh, a great one to have. this is, this is such a good question. And when, when I saw this, like there were, there are guys that were just popping up left and right. I'm like, who is going to be the one guy that I want? And I, and I wanted to give a guy like a Justin Jefferson or a Justin Herbert, but I feel like those are too like too like easy. So 
a guy that I'm trying to get who maybe a little bit, he's probably, I mean, he's still definitely a guy that a lot of people are going to be targeting, but a guy that I want in all of my leagues and be T Higgins. Um, That's all the a good one. Checks every single box. And um, the article that I showed you and about like the uh, future superstars um, last year, it pointed out guys like AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin and Debo Samuel as guys that were going to pop and have really great careers. Um, we saw three of them pop. Uh, Debo Samuel was doing well, but he obviously got hurt and had some injury things. I still do think he's an excellent buy. But the thing about T. Higgins is he fits into that, that cohort now. He had over 80 targets. He weighs over 210 pounds. And he had over eight yards per target with like half the season without Joe Burrow there. And... He also checked all the boxes as a rookie. He had great weight profile, early breakout age, um, great dominator, um, great efficiency in college, um, uh, early declare, 21 years old. So he really like checked all the boxes. And in his first year, he checked all the boxes again. So like I said, utilizing analytics to make better, more informed decisions. T Higgins is such a high probability superstar wide receiver. Like, and I don't think his value is up to the point of a guy like Justin Jefferson. Like Justin Jefferson, it, T. Higgins can do what Justin Jefferson did, but you're not paying the price of a Justin Jefferson to get T. Higgins. And I think that's why he's such an awesome buy is because like I have T. Higgins right now in my top five dynasty wide receivers. And I think that T. Higgins has a chance to be up in that tier with the A.J. Brown and the D.K. Metcalf and the Justin Jefferson as early as next season. And he's not being priced at that. And that's what makes him such an excellent buy. Like, obviously, if you're going in a startup, he's going to go in like third, fourth round. But what, what, what's the upside there? The upside there is he's a first round pick the year after you that. You know, like you're still profiting and making really good decisions based on that. And I think that T. Higgins is definitely someone that I want everywhere, every single place on my T. Higgins. That's, that's honestly, I like that call a lot because he really isn't priced that high at all. Like, I'm looking at some like consensus rankings and, and this is, it's like wide receiver 29, which is ridiculously low, or even like wide receiver 18. Like yeah, that's even, that's even on the lower end. And I mean, for me personally, I have him currently as my wide receiver 14, but I mean, I wouldn't be too surprised, you know, if he jumps guys like Michael Thomas, Chris Godwin, Calvin Ridley, I don't know if he'll get to McLaurin, but even like Allen Robinson, yeah. depending on what happens. And some people have speculated like, oh, what if the Bengals take a wide receiver, which to me seems absolutely crazy with like having already Boyd and Higgins for their first round pick. Maybe, maybe I'm yeah. misinformed though, but are you agreeing in that? That seems pretty crazy. Um, yeah, I don't think it seems too crazy. And, he, and the reason being is the Bengals utilize the most three wide receiver sets in the league. So technically okay. most teams will utilize it in a different way, but the Bengals with AJ Green essentially being um, not the same player that he was before. I think that there's room for that. Whether they take a guy, what was it what pick that like fourth I or fifth overall? Like, yeah, they're up overall there. like like I think that's a different discussion. Like I don't know if I'd go that route considering they already have a couple good guys. But I do think them adding a top wide receiver with this in the second round, like that, that, I'm also more excited if that does happen because. Um, I actually had a tweet yesterday about looking over the past three years and looking at who scored the most fantasy points. 11 of the top 15 skill position fantasy points from wide receivers and tight ends were on the same team. So we're talking like Godwin Evans, 
Thielen did it with both Diggs, and then he did it with Jefferson this year. Tyree killed Travis Kelsey. Um, I'm missing. I'm missing another one. But essentially, like having another great wide receiver alongside you actually benefits both guys a lot. And it doesn't matter who the quarterback is, as long as you have a competent quarterback. Kirk Cousins has done it before. Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick did it. Um, why can't a guy like Joe Burrow? have guys that are balling out even with Boyd and Higgins and even another guy I think that there's room for all three of them there so um I'm really excited about it and if it does happen cool if not then Higgins is probably gonna get more volume so I'm not gonna complain so if it turns out to be like maybe like Chase with Higgins and Boyd would you like downgrade one of them or because Chase you know is gonna be that probably top guy there and then maybe Higgins then Boyd or is it more like I guess they could all be, you know, pretty easily like wide receiver threes with one of them being probably a wide receiver one type of idea. That's such a good question. It's such, it's such an interesting, interesting discussion on it. It's um, tough. I, I'm an optimist in terms of like, I think that all guys can thrive. So like, for example, when C lamb went to the Cowboys, like yeah. I got excited about everybody. Like I was like, give me Cooper, give me Gallup, give me, give me CD lamb, give me Dak Prescott. Like I just wanted a piece of that offense because um, I think we're at the point in football where three wide receiver sets are being more common. They're essentially being utilized as starters. And we've, we're starting to see like more teams being able to uphold these guys in fantasy. So for example, this year with the Teddy Bridgewater led Panthers, they were able to support three top 30 fantasy receivers. The Steelers yeah. were able to have three top 30 fantasy receivers. We constantly see two guys in the top 24 uh, on the same team all the time. Why can't three guys if it's an offense that allows for a pass heavy offense, which the Bengals are with three wide receiver sets, which the Bengals utilize a ton. I don't see why it would be downgrade. And I think the only thing that we're potentially going to be frustrated about is the consistency of these guys. But at the same time, like, like it doesn't matter how consistent you are over the length of a season, because you're going to have your boom weeks and you're going to continue to get volume. So maybe, maybe it, it, it hurts T Higgins overall volume, but by having those great other receivers around him, it's going to make him more efficient. And it's also going to make the offense better, which is also going to lead to more scoring opportunities. So I think overall it's net neutral um, for, for these guys. And I think if you're that good of a player, you're going to, you're going to ball it regardless. That's just my belief is if you're a good player, you're going to ball it regardless. It doesn't matter how many other good players are around you. Um, you're still going to be able to, you know, you know, make, make a, make your name for yourself. Yeah, and I feel like if anything, it would it would drop down the expectations for the tight end position. Yeah, exactly. A, a large amount, which that's one reason that like even like Logan Thomas, which the great season he had this year, if the Washington football team add a wide receiver, I feel like that's gonna like hurt his value some. I mean, a lot depends on quarterback as well, but that's I guess another caveat to this is thinking about how to value tight ends on those type of offenses because it can't be as high like like Eric Ebron on the Steelers does not have number top three overall like possibilities with how the other three guys were used. Exactly. Exactly. And, but naturally by being in such a pass heavy offense and them getting more goal line work because of they threw the ball so much, like it allowed him to be a somewhat decent tight end option. And the difference yeah. between being a decent tight end option and being an elite tight end option is actually the talents of the tight end. And I don't think we're looking at the Bengals and saying, a guy like your sample <laughs> guy, you know, like it's sure? no disrespect to yeah. him. <laughs> right? Hey, for all we know, he could just ball out next year and he could be the Jamar Chase that they need, you know. So yeah. I know. Um, <laughs> you know, but, 
um, yeah, I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just like I'm not worried about. It. I think good players are going to thrive regardless, and I and I bet more on the talent of players rather than I do the situation because I think at the end of the day, things work out for themselves. Like everything works itself out, and good players ball wherever they're at. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. So you don't make yourself get too into situation over over talent like AJ Brown, you know, even DK Metcalf, oh, yeah. like those type of guys that were were dropped down for just the situation argument. So yeah, I like that and something to to think about, especially especially once we start talking about running backs and if one of them ends up in a nice little landing spot, don't don't start bumping them up yeah. to the one point oh one and QB leagues. I think I think 2020 was like this was like a year of I mean even before we've seen it but like this was just such a good reminder that landing spot is really doesn't matter like I'll tell you my pre-draft rookie rankings were more accurate than my post-draft rookie rankings because I adjusted too much for situation and it's it's crazy to think about it but at the end of the day like Clyde Edwards-Helaire was a good prospect he wasn't a great prospect and we moved him up probably too much based off that specific landing spot. And also uh, guys like Keyshawn Vaughn, like Keyshawn Vaughn was a solid prospect, but we also moved him up because of the situation and not realizing that a guy like Ronald Jones is also there as well. So like, it's a good reminder of, Hey, like let's just bet on the talent and bet on the players themselves because the teams will then find ways to get them ball. AJ Brown, we saw it you know, in 2019, everyone faded him because he was going to the Titans run for his team, but he was so good that he was able to buck that trend. And we also saw it this year with Justin Jefferson. It wasn't necessarily a bad landing spot, but people weren't necessarily high on him because they had Thielen there. They had Dalvin Cook run first offense, but he's so good that they found ways to get him the ball. And now he's a focal point of their offense. So all in all, one takeaway I had from this year was don't over adjust for landing spots, bet on the talent of the players and bet on things working out for that player based off of the talent of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great way to, to summarize it. So awesome. I had a blast today. Do you have any projects that you're working on or anything you want anybody to check out? Um, Nothing like crazy projects right now. I am going to be releasing uh, some articles coming up in the next month or so, mainly like dynasty related, how, how we can look at age how, when is the proper time to be selling wide receivers, tight ends, quarterbacks? Are we selling them too early? Are we selling them too late? When's the best way to capitalize on value? So we're working on some of that stuff. I'm also going to be updating the superstar rankings in terms of like, how did the 2020 rookie class look in historical landscape in terms of how did they perform as rookies and who are some guys that they compared to? And how can we adjust our rankings and adjust our expectations for these guys and how we can make actionable decisions in Dynasty based off of their rookie seasons and also their prospect profile. So a lot of stuff in regards to that, uh, more Dynasty related stuff that will be coming out in the next month or so. So I just say be on the lookout for that and um, hopefully it helps and get it just helps like get people's brains turning a little bit about some of these guys that uh, we saw play this year. Yeah, I know I'll definitely be on the lookout for for that. And everyone should go follow Dalton on Twitter at DaltonGuruFF. Does great work, fun to talk to. Uh, he'll he'll uh, discuss anything, even if you disagree at the beginning, and then you end up being like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And he he's very concise and knows what he's talking about. So make sure to give him a follow at DaltonGuruFF. If you're a new listener to the Snake of the Draft podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you all for tuning in. Let's be snakes this offseason. <laughs>